there, welcome to another edition of Facilities 5 and Dime, brought to you by Smart Church Solutions. I am your host, Nathan Parr, glad to be with you again today. And we have finally tracked the man down, we have held him down, and we have said, hey, you got to be part. And so we would like to welcome, as our guest today, Mr. Tim Cool, Chief Solutions Officer from Smart Church Solutions. Uh, my friend and yours. So welcome, Tim. And uh, why don't you, for those that don't know who you are, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and a little bit about Smart Church Solutions. Well, thanks, Nathan. It's great to be here. Um, so for those of you who, who aren't familiar with me, um, which is probably a good number of you, um, I've had the privilege of serving uh, the local church related to their facilities now for about 34 years. Um, I started very young. Uh, I think I was 12 when I started because um, <laughs> I still feel very young. Um, but uh, I have been serving churches from all the way from uh, construction and development of, of projects and master planning to the most recent being helping churches be the best stewards they can with what God's already entrusted to them. And that's really kind of the core of who we are, Nathan, as you know, that, you know, we, we exist to assist, you know, churches to it, steward what God's entrusted to them. And that's done in a lot of different ways from, you know, software that we provide to consulting, to this podcast, to books and tools that we provide to people and facility condition assessments, you name it. It's a, uh, it's just critical, you know, with over 350,000 churches in America, it's, it's critical for us to take our stewarding of those facilities um, intentionally and to be the best at it we can. Um, I'm going to preach here for a minute, if that's okay. Uh, Bring it. But, but I'm, you know, I'm a firm believer that everything on earth belongs to God. And if that's the case, then that means our ministry facilities also fall into that category. And I think we're going to be held accountable for it in the same way that we'll be accountable for doing and uh, stewarding everything that belongs to God. Uh, if we don't believe our facilities belong to God, then we probably shouldn't have one and uh, may want to move on to something else. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> with everything that's been going on, of course, facilities and how we use them has obviously gotten a little different. But before we jump kind of into that, you've been busy over the last several weeks. Um, I I've seen it and I've seen the posts uh, and everything. So. Uh, who all uh, have you been connecting with and how have you been reaching out here uh, even more kind of electronically since uh, COVID-19 hit and uh, people started staying home? How, how have you been uh, keeping busy? Well, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, our, our whole team has been virtual. You know, you're, you're in Texas. I'm in North Carolina. We have others in South Carolina and Ohio and Tennessee. And so our team has been, you know, virtual um, since we started. Um, and, and so the, the whole idea of working from home and working from a, a Zoom meeting is not foreign to us. However, uh, for the last at least 10 years, I've spent anywhere from three to four days a week on the road. Um, it used to be that people could keep up with me by what airport I was in. And um, I've not been on a plane since February. And, and so I, I think my wife's going through withdrawal uh, <laughs> even more than me. Uh, but it's been really interesting. Uh, we have done uh, both a podcast and a, and a webinar with Tom Rayner. Um, in fact, the, the webinar that we did had over 5,200 people subscribe to, to attend. Um, I've done five different webinars for the Center for Congregation in Indiana. 
um, for for the congregations in Indiana that are supported by them. Uh, we've done multiple radio interviews with Moody Bibles radio uh, stations. Uh, done a podcast recording with Lifeway. It's uh, it has been nonstop. And then, uh, in addition to that, we've done uh, virtual conferencing. We did. You and I both did one for um, the National Association of Church Facility Managers. Uh, we're both preparing one for the Church Network virtual conference in. Uh, July and uh, you know it's just nonstop. And then on top of that, uh, we just finished writing a book that we will release later this summer. Uh, matter of fact, if anybody wants to have fun on guessing the title, you can go to our Facebook page, which is uh, Church Facility Management Solutions, and we're doing a giveaway there for anybody that can guess the title. Um, nice. And so, you know, people check that out. So uh, we have not stayed unbusy. Uh, and, you know, thanks to your great support, we've developed multiple free tools for people. We've got a checklist. We've got an operational guide. We've just released a number of videos that, that are on our website under our additional resources that Brotherhood Mutual Insurance, um, who's an insurer of over 60,000 churches across the country, they partnered with us to develop these these short videos of how to get back into your facility. What are the things you should do as you reopen? So um, we made some really, really fast pivots as part of this. Um, uh, some of the, the people listening may not even know that uh, we, we did some quick uh, changes to our eSpace platform, such as making a virtual meeting an optional meeting. Uh, so no longer do you have to use... Uh, just the spaces in your facility, but you can set up virtual meetings as well, which are things that we should be tracking. Um, and one of the, the most interesting things is this kind of new phenomenon uh, that I think is part of this temporary normal of registering to go to church. Right. Who thunk that, that we would be in a time where you needed to reserve a seat <laughs> to go to church? And um, but but it's, it's what we're finding, Nathan, is that there's really kind of two things that are drivers for this. Uh, one is as we're getting through this COVID time um, and we're reopening and we're doing it cautiously is we're having to social distance or what I prefer to refer to as physical distancing because we should never social distance. We all need each other. Sure. Um, but you will have far less seats available for worship services. Um, uh, we had one congregation that uh, uh, told us that they have pews and their normal 600 seats by the time they, they roped off areas that could only handle 170 people. And so you're going to go to multiple services. Well, you need to make sure that you have a pretty good head count of how many people are coming to each one of those services. Um, so that's one thing. What you don't want to do is, is, is have everybody show up for the first service and nobody for the second, and you have to turn away half your congregation. Right. Uh, the other big thing, and, and, and frankly, I didn't think about this until I was on a, uh, an interview with the folks at uh, uh, Chemistry Staffing, and, and one of the guys asked the question is, you know, how are we going to respond on Wednesday when we get a call from someone that says, hey, I attended your church Sunday, and now I've tested positive for COVID? Well, I have to admit, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. And and if you have this registration form uh, or format of some sort, 
then you will know who else was supposedly at your church during that time from that registration so you can notify them as well um, keep them in the know so that they can get themselves checked if they have any concerns and so what we found is between our eSpace software and many other church management softwares that have uh, event registration they're using it to register people for Sunday and uh, it's it's again I've been in church for almost 59 years now and I have never seen anything like it yeah, it, it almost seems uh, as we, you know, and again, kind of answer that first question, how did we prep or pivot technology during this shift, this temporary, it almost seems like we're having to take some of the existing tools we've always had and use them in a way that we, we didn't know that we could, or uh, kind of slightly different than intended. You know, like you say, event registration, typically for ticketed events, but now we're having to do it for services. Um, so we're having to shift that philosophy of, of inviting everybody to come to the building, to come to worship, which is what we've done for years, invite everybody in. And now we're having to invite people uh, with that asterisk. Mm -hmm. uh, we want you, but uh, sign up. <laughs> yeah. W w one of the other things from a technological standpoint is, you know, online giving was making uh, tremendous inroads in the church market and has for the last five, seven years. Um, there were still congregations that kind of were like, no, we want to pass the plate. You know, it's not really giving. It's not really stewardship if we're not actually putting it in the plate. And, and I understand some of the sentiments with that. Uh, but even yesterday, I had a conversation with a uh, uh, one of the first Baptist churches in Alabama um, who said that they were starting to get some traction on it. But since then, they've actually had many of their older congregants reach out and say, hey, we want to keep giving, so how can we do that? Is there an electronic way to do that? And um, I think online giving is, is not just a trend. It is here to stay. And so that's a technological increase. Same thing with our online services. Uh, Pre-COVID, um, the average church attendee attended two times a month. Um, you know, which again, being a preacher's kid myself, it's just hard for me to imagine because it was always Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. So it was three times a week, right. not twice a month. Um, but, but I get it. And, and so the whole idea of better produced online, uh, services is, is again, going to be a, a ongoing thing. And I think that we will see that two times a month, maybe go to one and a half times a month. And I think that there will be some increase there. Although I think once there are regulations that are clearly removed and we feel safer about where we are, maybe whether there's a, um, a therapeutic or a, a vaccine or something of that nature, maybe people will feel more comfortable. Uh, I think there's going to be a mass rush back to gather together um, mm -hmm. because we need each other. But I think after that, we'll see kind of a floating back into that one and a half to two times a month for, for regular attendees. Yeah. And, and that's interesting. We, we had, uh, uh, William Vanderblumen on, uh, last week uh, or a couple weeks ago. And one thing he mentioned was that it seemed like there was a, a three year leap forward that, mm. that occurred, um, of churches having to, to adjust and, and to accept what was coming. Uh, that normally would have taken three years to adopt like online giving and, and like virtual and streaming services. Um, and also brought the point and something I think we're, we've been passionate about at Smart Church Solutions is recognizing that the best way for 
uh, or one of the ways that our facilities enhance the ministry. Uh, again, because it, it's a facility, it's it's not the main thing, but if you've got one, you've got to steward it. You've got to, to do it well. Uh, but making sure that the facility reflects and is part of the community you serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and making that, and uh, this is an opportunity, I think, uh, as well for churches out there and, and everyone listening. It's, you know, hopefully you've taken this opportunity not only to take care of things while, while you've been down uh, and uh, had, had the building closed, but rethink how your facility is engaging your community. Uh, yeah, it, it, the, you know, the concept that we use when we're trying to help a church think through their role in the community from a facility standpoint uh, is probably best thought through in, in two analogies. One would be the woman at the well. And, you know, God did not have his experience with that woman in the tabernacle. It was in a community center at the well. And then even when she went back and told all of her family and friends, she didn't take them to the synagogue. She brought them back to the well, that community place. The The other analogy is when you think about any medieval town or any of the early American colonies, what was the center of every one of those uh, villages? Well, it was the church or the, the mosque or the temple or whatever their faith community was at that time. And, and we have allowed the church universal to become isolated either because of zoning laws or isolationism or or whatever or this misconception of separation of church and state which we've grossly blown out of proportion um you know so so how do we take our our facilities our church facilities remember it's not the church the people of the church so how do we take our church facilities and make them more you know, useful to our community instead of just us four and no more. Right. Uh, how to be truly integrated into and uh, participating, uh, going out, being being the hands and feet. I think we were called to that. You know, I'm pretty sure that's uh, written somewhere. I, that we're to. I recall seeing that somewhere. <laughs> be hands and feet. Yeah. Um, so uh, as we go through and, and as we look at uh, the different. Uh, things that we've done. There's lots of things that we're doing now that we may or may not be doing in the future. But as you consider that, what are some of the things um, that you're hoping are going to be sticky in in terms of what we've been doing or uh, hope to see even get even stickier if I'm not even sure that's the right way to say it. But what do you what do you hope to see continue? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that people will see that the care that they've given their facility during this period of time needs to be an ongoing thing. Uh, we, we had so many people respond to some surveys that we put out about what they were doing during this um, shutdown time, how they were taking advantage of an empty facility to uh, get caught up on paint and repair and carpet cleaning and window cleaning and so on and so forth. We, we need to make these things a priority and not hope for the next pandemic to, to get caught up again. Um, so I'm hoping that remains sticky. Um, I, the, the other one that's, that's a much more um, esoteric kind of thing is that we are sticky and intentional about looking at how we do ministry and what does that look like going forward. 
Um, you know, I think we got so comfortable with, oh, we all gather on Sunday morning, we sing three hymns, we do an offering, there's a special music, the preacher preaches, there's an invitation, and we go home. And, and I think we, in many ways, in the Church of North America, got in a rut. Instead of thinking about how do we actually do life together, um, what, what new technologies are available that we can utilize to further the gospel even further? Uh, uh, we have one client, uh, Nathan, in, in the greater Cincinnati area right now that the uh, pastor and I talked about a week ago. He goes, you know, our giving's actually up from before the COVID. And he goes, we're actually touching more people through our online presence than we were in our physical presence. And so how, how do we not lose that and just drift back into, um, you know, the, the pre-COVID world? Uh, C.S. Lewis had talked in his book, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, The, the, pain, the Problem with Pain, uh, about how too often we make changes based on pain, but the minute the threat or the pain is gone, we revert back to the old ways. And so how do we not revert back to the old ways just because the threat and the pain is gone? Yeah. How do we, how do we combat that? We've, we've always done it this way, mm-hmm. uh, especially since we're coming out of a season of we've never done it this way because it, none of us have, uh, well, there are some, but the majority of us have never lived through a pandemic like this before. have never lived through a situation where we're forced to significantly change how we live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how we interact. And if, uh, like you say, if, if we're going to be that center point of the community, that, that place, we, we can't just go back to the way it was because mm-hmm. uh, none of us are going to be the same from this point forward. Uh, I think that's, that's sometimes daunting to think about, but, you know, we're living in history right now. My, my youngest, I mean, well, all my kids, but especially my youngest, you know, that he's going to have, when he has kids, they're going to learn about, 2020. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. going to be in the history book. Uh, so, uh, during all this, obviously, we've got a lot of changes. Um, it, we're doing things differently. But for you and, and the team, how how are you staying grounded, uh, keeping keeping hopeful, staying positive? What are you, what are you doing? What what would you recommend? And what's been working for you? Yeah, great great question. The staying connected to people is is a big part of it. And, and while we can't uh, physically gather as much or as frequently as, as we were uh, pre-March, um, there's still ways to connect with people. And so that's something that I'm taking very seriously, whether it's Zoom calls, phone calls, or just more regular emails to people, just to stay connected in some form or fashion. Um, you know, During this time is also when we, we rolled out our uh, Church Facility Management Solutions Facebook group, which I think has come at a wonderful time because uh, it's been increasing 10 to 15 percent almost every week in in uh, people joining the group and we've got hundreds of people now that are joining in conversation again we need each other and so looking for other ways to um, to connect with people is huge the, the other thing that that I've done a lot more of the last couple months uh, and I'm almost probably embarrassed to say this is spend a lot more time listening to podcasts, listening to sermons, and reading books. Um, and, you know, ho- hopefully uh, we are all in, in the mindset of being lifelong learners, but there's times when you get 
really quote busy, whatever busy means, um, that, that we neglect some of those things that really will make us better going forward. And so that's, those are the kind of things that I'm doing. Uh, don't tell anybody else, but we do let our kids come over on a regular basis. Um, and they don't have to wear face masks when they come to our house. So we have spent a lot of family time together, uh, which has really been cool. You know, as, as you know, we've got uh, 23-year-old triplets, and they all live in the same house together. Not my house, but a house. And um, they come over here. We see one of them almost every day. And it's not uh, uncommon for us to be spending time on our back patio over the weekend, just enjoying each other and enjoying our two dogs. And um, I think I think that uh, is something that that I've used kind of to to um, get me through this time, but also to reinforce how I want to be a dad going forward. Right. And it's it, we've that's been a recurring theme uh, with lots of these podcasts as we ask that question of. Uh, the remark of I'm spending more time with family, mm-hmm. spending more time at home, not feeling as busy. Um, and I, as the more of these we record, the more of these that we talk, I'm, I'm just struck. I'm hoping that stays sticky mm-hmm. um, of not like you said, we, we oftentimes we talk about how busy we are and it's really, it's not that we're busy. It's just, we're choosing to do something over something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're not busy. We're just choosing to focus on, on work instead of family. Yeah. We're focusing on being rushed instead of taking a moment to be still. Mm-hmm. And, and like you say, uh, you know, I, I remember that uh, being quoted in a book too: be still and know mm-hmm. that I am God. Uh, you can't do that if you're always, quote, busy. Yeah. Andy Stanley wrote a great little book that uh, I think is only about 20 or 30 pages, maybe 40 pages, uh, several years ago called Choosing to Cheat. And the whole premise in the book is every decision you make, you're choosing to cheat another option. Um, Yes, I would like to have that piece of dessert because my taste buds would love that. But if I take it, then I'm cheating my waistline. Um, Or if I decide to not eat it, then I'm cheating my taste buds. So you have to make a decision, which of the cheating are you going to rely on? And in this time... I think we have cheated more on the uh, I'm going to I'm going to spend more time with my kids and cheat a little bit on the other activities of my life, either because they've been forced on me or because I have just chosen to make those decisions. Right. And uh, we see it a lot in in those posts and commercials. They always try to tug at our heartstrings of, you know, no one gets super old wishing that they had more stuff to do rather than time spent with their family. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a time that I think we've gotten that taste of not only is family important in spending it, uh, but again, referring back to the church facility, um, of hopefully our facility teams, facility stewards, pastoral staff will recognize, you know, we don't have to stuff events into that building all the time mm-hmm. and make it so busy that we, our staff, our people, you know, lose sight and lose time of fellowship and lose time of just being with each other spinning. So that'll be, that's just my personal, uh, of course, or you could be in my case where we're a uh, church plant and we still don't have a place we can meet anymore because the schools won't let us in until 
students return. <laughs> sure. Which who knows when that'll be back. Mm -hmm. But we were finding alternative places. But even that we had to adjust and say, okay, is it, do we concentrate on trying to get the stage set up looking the best we can in this room or limit what we do so that we can get more people in the room? Mm hmm and, and trade off and, and which is more important for, for worship. Is it a good production versus accessibility? Sure. I hadn't, hadn't thought about that. So, you know, those are, those are the three questions, but before we go, I, I would be remiss if, if I didn't, if we didn't talk a little bit about some of the uh, more in depth of what we offer at smart church solutions and some of the things, because a lot of people, I think they hear, what Smart Church Solutions is, and, and they either focus on software or they focus on uh, maybe consulting. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's more than, than what Smart Church Solution is. So there's there's some divisions that we've created and with the rebranding. Can you talk us through a little bit and give us a little, little snapshot of, of kind of the different focus areas that Smart Church Solutions offers uh, and that is available for folks? Absolutely. So there, there's... Um... The, what we do at Smart Church Solutions really can be broken down into three primary categories. Um, the first one being eSpace and our, our software. So for event scheduling to work order management to asset tracking to life cycle and capital reserve planning, um, you, you name it, the, the, uh, we, we have the most robust uh, facility management software uh, that's dedicated for church use uh, anywhere in the market um, and constantly enhancing it and growing it. And, um, you know, whether you're a church of, you know, a couple hundred people or you're a church of 30,000, as some of our clients are, um, the, the system is designed to, to help you be the best steward you can and to have your team um, lead the efforts at your church for your best space utilization as well as the maintenance and management of the of the components of it. Um, so that's a big piece of, of what we do as a company. The other two pieces kind of fall into what many people knew as being Cool Solutions Group. Um, and it's we still are Cool Solutions Group as far as the legal name of the company is, uh, but Smart Church Solutions allowed us to have kind of an umbrella over all that we did, which is for church facilities. Uh, the first part of, of that consulting is facility condition assessment and facility management training. Um, as, as, as part of our team, you are a key role in all of that, Nathan, with uh, the assessments that we do and provide and help churches get a, if you will, a physical, just like we would go get an annual physical from our doctor. This is a physical on your facility. Uh, the other piece of it is we are still providing um, consultation and owner's representative services for those that are looking at doing some kind of facility expansion. And uh, we are serving uh, numbers of churches right now across the country uh, in multiple stages of that from the, you know, do we need more space analyzation all the way to uh, serving as an owner's rep during a multi-million dollar construction project. So that's kind of the, the, the three primary buckets. Um, again, it's all related to facilities and our primary focus continues to be in the church world. Awesome. Absolutely. And so as you heard, we, you, there's going to be links in the description, uh, to the website. So everyone listening, I hope you go check that out. And, uh, we're being heard, uh, on everywhere except for Antarctica. Yes. no, nope, Nobody's listened to us at Antarctica yet on this podcast, but every other continent has, um, and, 
just as a, as a unique thing, we're, we're reaching out there and what you're listening to today, someone in another continent is also listening to as we are that connected. Uh, I know our software is used internationally. Um, and I know we've had conversations with folks uh, all over the world on things to do. So it, it's just a, a reminder I'm throwing out there that no matter where you are, uh, realize that you are connected uh, throughout the world with with fellow stewards, facility stewards and believers. Um, so you're not alone. And that's something that uh, I just find neat and encouraging. Uh, even even while we're all sequestered in our homes, we're still hearing and, and connecting out there uh, all about. So that's my little two cents, my little soapbox. I'll, I'll get off that right now, but I just wanted to throw <laughs> that encouragement out there as we go. Uh, and Tim, thank you for being a guest. Finally, um, I, I think he may have waited, folks, until uh, he's, he's going to see if I was going to keep recording these or not. But uh, no, <laughs> thanks for, for being on finally and uh, uh, sharing with us about Smart Church Solutions, about who you are, about what we do. Um, and, and thank you. Any final thoughts you have uh, parting uh, for, our, for our listeners or uh, pot shots at me? I mean, we're good either way. Well, I, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's not enough time for the pot shots, so I'll, I'll let that, that go for now. Uh, but, you know, the, let me just kind of end with what I started with is if, if you believe like Nathan and I do that everything on earth belongs to God, then we have got to be stewards. If, if, if stewardship is nothing more than taking care of somebody else's stuff and we believe that all the stuff that we touch is God's, then he's entrusted us to take care of his stuff. And um, we need to take it seriously. So let's uh, let's be the best facility stewards we can be. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. And as a reminder, there'll be links to not only the website, but to the uh, Facebook group. We invite you to join, connect with us there and connect with facility stewards across the country. And as always, uh, feel free to subscribe and share this episode to all your friends and family. We hope to see you around. And again, thanks for being part of the Smart Church Solutions podcast, Facilities 5 and 9.